You know, the earth shakes uh, for a reason. It's, it's, it's God made it flexible for it to have these earthquakes because if it doesn't, if the earth's crust was still, we would all perish. It needs to, it, the, molten, the molten that needs to rise and, and rejuvenate the earth's crust. Just as we need to rejuvenate of spiritually, the earth is made in the same way. So when you hear of earthquakes, uh, they're designed for to keep to sustain the earth so we can live in it. We would not be able to live on the earth if the ground crust never moved. It'd be brittle and it would just break like a cracker. And then we would all perish and tsunamis would really come over our country. So last Sunday, we talked about Amos and how he was a prophet from the south that came to preach in the north. And his message was about social injustice. And he was trying to tell the people of Israel, hey, listen, you got to start adhering to God's word because you're straying away and, and, and the discipline's going to come. You got to get back to God. So after, after they kick Amos out, God sends another prophet to the same people to give him another message. Uh, this is another aspect of, uh, of, of the, one of the prophets, and they're trying to illustrate how God feels about their relationship with him. All right? And this is the prophet Hosea. Turn your Bibles to the book of Hosea. He is a prophet that, that was preaching around... Um, for 40 years, but around the time of 730 B.C., just before the Assyrians came and defeated and conquered the northern parts of Israel, he was trying to get them to repent so this would not happen. So the title of my lesson this morning is God's Unchanging Love. Even though you might, in the Old Testament, you might read some hard things God says, there's a, there's a, there's a part of God that is so tenderly wanting you and him to be together again. But in the Old Testament, a lot of times, the people were doing things that were so hurtful to God. They needed some discipline. So I'm going to show you on the slides here a couple things just to give you some background. This was Hosea. I'm not sure that's exactly him, but, you know, it's a picture of a guy. It's, you know, you know on Google Images, that's what came up. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so he preaches just before the fall of Samaria, and he, and he goes, he's from the northern part, it's his hometown, and his preaching covers a span of 40 years. Now, a lot of these preachers preached to these people for a very long time, and there was really not much change. And what's the, what's the message for you? You don't stop preaching. Just because someone's slow to change, doesn't mean you stop preaching. And... Your preaching success is not determined by results. Because according to these prophets, all these guys would have failed as ministers. They just preach the word. Because that's all they can do. You need to change. And that's between you and the Lord. And we're going to talk about that in a second. So we just got to keep preaching and sharing and meeting people and making friends and doing what God calls us to do. This was the sin of the people. Now, she, don't, she doesn't look like much, uh, but this was a very powerful, powerful idol in the time of God's people. Her name is Asherah. She is a daughter of one of the gods of the Canaanites, and she promises to bring you fertility. If you are barren, you will bear children. If your crops um, are dying, she'll bring vitality to your crops. 
she will do a lot of things. She's, and so what they did with her to have vitality, sexuality, the men of Israel would go into the, into the temple and they would have these female priests there waiting to have sexual intercourse with you, guarantee you your family having a very fertile uh, uh, genealogy. Okay? This was the God. Now, mind you, there she is again. Mind you that she is uh, not the most attractive person in the world, but this was the strongest pull. They found these little figurines, they're really small little, little idols, excavated all over the town of Jerusalem, all over the northern parts of Israel. They found them to show that these were the struggles of the people. They didn't stop worshiping God. They just added her to the list. They wanted an insurance policy. They, they're going to pray to Yahweh, but they're also going to pray to Asherah and follow her decrees. This is her cousin, Baal. He is a storm god. He's the god of weather. So he would bless your crops. He would make sure that you would have plenty of rain, and he would uh, do many things for you, but you needed to uh, worship him with rituals. This was the, 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 the struggle that the people of God had with these foreign gods. But God was the God of weather, was he not? Yahweh? He's the God that blesses your crops. Because the Israelites mismanaged their possessions of God, what God given them. They got desperate, and they started going elsewhere. Okay? Hard times make people sometimes unfaithful. This is some of the temple shrines they would go into. They'd be all decked out, and there the, uh, the men would go there and have relations with the priests test the females and there would be promised fertility this was a ritual again there she is uh asherah there's there's many more gods but i just picked a couple that's in our, in our bible so you would know what they look like this is what the israelites did it's self syncretism they would they would the definition is very interesting because it's the attempted reconciliation or union of a different or opposing principles practices as in philosophy or religion. They would bring in Asherah and God and try to worship them together, and they both oppose each other. They don't stand for the same things, but they would kind of add them into their religious life. I have God, but I'm going to add this. I'm going to add this idol just to make sure that I can get the blessings from God. This was the background. These were the things that were happening because they were captivated with sexuality. I don't think the men had a problem going into the temple prostitutes. This was, was something they were really going after. And when you're baptized as a Christian, you're baptized into this covenant, in this, into this relationship, are we not? And for us, that seems kind of drastic. Like, I don't know if I would just get up and worship a figurine. I don't think you would do that. But I think we can slowly and creepingly begin to cheat on God. It happens slowly. When we stop reading the Bible, that's when it starts. Then we stop obeying the Bible. It kind of creeps into our lives. How does this happen? Well, we, we, start, we stop praying. We don't pray as much. We don't read as much. We don't give our, our heart totally to the Bible. And in Colossians 2, verse 8, it says, See to it. That no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. In other words, 
the world starts drawing you in. You start making idols of things that are created in the world. You start giving your heart to them. And God does something so stunning that when the people are, are, are worshiping Asherah and Baal, God, it's so stunning that modern-day Bible, Bible interpreters try to deny it. And I'm going to share what that is in a second. They try their best to say, no, this is, this is not literal. This is, you know, an allegory. This is a, an illustration. Turn your Bibles in Hosea chapter 1. I'm reading verse 2. Hosea 1, verse 2. I think I have it on the board here. If I don't, I'll read it with you. Hosea chapter 1. Verse 2. We can go back one slide. That'd be great, Lynn. It reads, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. You know, if you read this account, this is Hosea, and he's, at, and he's told by God that he needs to marry a promiscuous wife. This is so stunning. Why would God ask a prophet to do such a thing? Why would God have a prophet, have her not just marry her, but have children with her? His children's names were, they were symbolic names, Jezreel, which means God scatters, Loruchama, which means not pitied, and Lochami means these are not my people. Each of his children had symbolic names because Hosea's relationship with his wife was an illustration of God's relationship with us. He was trying to paint the clearest picture. Like, that's insane to marry a prostitute, she'll never be faithful. But God says, that's exactly what you're doing to me. That's what he's saying. Here's the illustration. This is how it feels. We think it's crazy, but that's exactly what God did. He did something stunning. He also does something stunning later on in the New Testament. He actually brings down himself to become, to become human on earth. That's stunning too. God does stunning things. Here's a question. What's drawing you away from God? What draws you? Stuff. Guys say, stuff. Family responsibility. More stuff. Less of God. Now as we turn over to chapter 2, we'll read some more about this, about this interesting uh, scene here in the, in the, in the, in the time of, of God's people. Look at... Uh, on the board here, Hosea 2, verse 5. And this is, this is Hosea's talking. He's, he's, he's sharing the scriptures here. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. And then Yahweh says, that's, that's Hosea speaking about his wife. And look what Yahweh says. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain the new wine and the oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold, which they used for Baal. 
You know, the people here mismanaged what God had given them. I know Dean talks about this a lot, managing of what God, the blessing God gives us. You know, they failed to realize it was God, not Baal, not Asherah, who was giving them these things. But they were convinced in their mind because they strayed away from the prophets. They strayed away from what, what was hard to do. Because doing the right thing is not always easy. It's a hard challenge. Jaden got stitches the other day on Friday, cut his finger pretty deeply. He needed four stitches for some unknown reason. I had to pay the regular price versus my $20 copay. Uh, and, and, it was, and I went into my insurance place where I'm supposed to go. They wouldn't take my son, which was frustrating. There's nothing that angers you more when your son needs help and no one's giving it to him. You get a little ticked off. I, was, I told the doctor, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the process. Just so you know. I said, fine, we'll pay, we'll pay the amount. He gets his stitches. We come out of there, and I realized the, the counting on the bill to what I paid was $110 off in my favor. And there was part of me that said, just walk away, G. They're just trying to hook you up. They're just trying to help you out. It's awesome. The Lord is blessing this. The Lord is blessing you. I mean, 30 seconds of, man, just turn the key. Turn the key. Roll. Put it. Go. And then I remembered. That if God can trust you with little, if he can't trust you with little, he can't trust you with much. Learn that in Crown Financial. Little things. So I, so I went in there, showed her, hey, you miscalculated the bill. She says, oh, you're right. And I was hoping, like, is God going to bless it? She's going to say, it's all right. I think walk away. Walk away. One Latino do another, it's all good. No, she didn't do that. She's like, oh, okay. I'm like, thank you very much. That's awesome. Pay my walk It's hard. We had, we had money saved in the bank, so it wasn't like, we, it was just, we didn't want to pay 270 bucks. It's principal. I have insurance for this stuff. Next day, uh, Karen's just sharing what happened with Jaden, how he's doing it, uh, and then we get a check in the mail from her, our, grand, our grandparents for the exact amount. I'm, I'm going, thank you, God. It's awesome. We didn't ask for it, but thank you. The story is, and the principle is, God's in charge of all things. It's all his. He is the one that does that stuff. But I wanted to freak out. I can save $110, walk away. It was hard. It wasn't easy. I was tempted. I was tempted. But it was too late because that scripture popped in my head. I'm like, why? Why? Just make me simple, Lord. Simple-minded. No. I had to think. I had to think. Let's look in verse 9, Hosea 2. Therefore I will take away my grain when it ripens, and the new wine when it's ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her nakedness. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all her celebrations her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, all her appointed festivals. God's talking about the captivity. When the Assyrian comes, all the celebrations of the Jews are going to stop. And he's telling what's going to happen. I will ruin her vines, her fig trees, which he said were, were her, for, her for pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket, and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days she burnt incense to the bales. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but me she forgot." 
declares the Lord. You know, God was, 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 was grieving over this covenant loss. And there is discipline. That when we begin to violate our covenant, God loves us so much, he disciplines us to bring us back. It's the same thing when, when you discipline your children. You're disciplined for one reason, to bring them back to God. If you fail to discipline your children, you won't bring them back to God. Because a child left to themselves will stray away. There's no training. So God, this is God's, God's amazing. Hebrews 12:11 says, hey, God disciplines those he loves. If you don't discipline, that means you're illegitimate children. God is trying to send them discipline so they'll come back to him. That's how it works. In Hosea 2.23, it reads this. I will plant for her myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my love, my, not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. I will say, you are my God. God wants this relationship. God is hungry for this relationship. Even as though they're straying away, God says, come back to me. And if you look over in chapter 3, verse 1, let's read that together. Hosea has to go back and reclaim his wife. This is what God is trying to show the people. Here's Hosea. His wife left. They had three children. She left the kids, and she went back to prostitution. She was an unfaithful wife. And he has to go to a slave market and buy her back. And Hosea was going through this to illustrate that this is what I'm willing to do. In verse 1, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and left neck of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me for many days, and you are not to be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. I will behave the same way toward you. Can you imagine that story, that picture of having to go back and track down your adulterous wife? Everything in you says, don't do that. That's foolish. Why would you do that? Get divorced. Call it clean. Jesus said so. Why would you go back? God says, go back and love her. I just go back and go, come here. I can't believe you did this. Come on. <laughs> Let me get home. I'm, you, I'm going to lock the door. You're going to be in your bedroom for 30 days straight. He didn't do that. He says, go back and love her the way the Lord loves the Israelites. Love her the way... I love my people. That's why Jesus says, if you love one another, you are truly my disciples. Because God is trying to give us an example of what it means to love. Love the unlovable. Love those who are hard. Love those who don't change when you talk to them every single week about their character. Tired of you, bro. You don't change. You're weak. I'm moving on to the strong now. Hey, brother, how's it going? God loves the weak. He loves them deeply, but he is also hurt by them. The people were clinging to idols. 
And God wants his straying wife back because God's love is unchanging. It doesn't change. Just because you're a blow it and you're a homer, God's love doesn't change. You can't scare God away by how sinful you get. You can't scare him. He's not, whoo, he's not spooked by your sin. He'll discipline you, but he's not spooked by it. And Hosea gives the example of his love refuses to die. And God wants to express this to him. And the reason why this happened is because this. Because people were destroyed for the lack of knowledge of God. They stop understanding what God was telling them. They stop reading their Bibles. They stop listening to the preachers. They stop listening to the, to the priests. They just stop listening. And so when you stop listening to the Bible, when you stop reading, when you stop obeying, you will get destroyed because you have no knowledge of what, how it makes God feels. You're destroyed for lack of knowledge. They strayed and committed adultery. Let's take a closer look at spiritual adultery. Look at chapter 4. This is what God is trying to tell them. You're committing adultery, not only Homer physically, but it's, it's, it's the illustration of it's spiritual adultery when we give our hearts to another. When we give our hearts to someone other than God. Isaiah, Hosea 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has, has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There's only cursing, lying, and murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed flows, blood, follows bloodshed. Because of this, the land dries up, and all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea are swept away. And it will be like this. Oh, and it will be like people, like priests. I will punish both of them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They will eat, but not have enough. They will engage in prostitution, but not increase, because they have deserted the Lord to give themselves to prostitution. Old wine and new wine take away their understanding. My people consult a wooden idol and are answered by a stick of wood. A spirit of prostitution leads them astray. They are, they are unfaithful to their God. They sacrifice on the mountaintops and burn offerings on the hills. Under oak, poplar, and terebinth, where the shade is pleasant. Therefore your daughters turn to prostitution and your daughters-in-law to adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they turn to prostitution, nor your daughter, daughters-in-law when they commit adultery, because the men themselves consort with harlots and sacrifice with shrine prostitutes. A people without understanding will come to ruin. You know, that's how God feels. He feels just like you would feel if your spouse built a friendship with another person, a man or female, and then had a relationship. You would feel the same way, hurt, angry. Because they will not eat, they'll have enough. They'll engage in prostitution, but they'll not increase. God's the one, I will bless you. Wasn't that I who promised Abraham your descendants would be like the, sea, the, the sand on the sea? It's God who brings, you know, barren women to be fruitful. It's God who does that, not a shrine prostitute. It's God who does it. Not Asherah, not her. And they're cheating on God for this. And Hosea, this is the comparison of the northern and southern. The same sins, same results. 
Adultery. Foreign gods. They mismanaged God's blessings. One falls in 722 B.C., the other falls in 586 B.C. God even says to to Judah when, when Hosea's prophesying, hey, pay attention to what's happening here. Learn from this. But you know what? Judah doesn't learn. They fall into the same trap. They begin to become unfaithful to God. Here's how it relates to us. Well, Gio, how does that relate to me as as a Christian? Let's read the scripture together. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Wow. What does enmity mean? It says a feeling or condition of hostility, hatred, ill will, animosity, or antagonism. Friendship with the world means this. This is what your relationship with God is like. If you make friends with the world, your relationship with God is affected. You would feel enmity if your spouse was building an unfaithful relationship with a man. But the problem is they don't realize how serious that sin is. People say, but Gio, I love the Lord. But you don't pray or read his words. But Gio, I love the Lord. But you don't manage his possessions righteously. But Gio, I love the Lord. But you don't train your children to be godly and follow his ways. But Gio, I love the Lord. We have a lot of excuses because our hearts saying, but I, I love, I love, I love the Lord. You may, you may be in love with them. But just as God sees it, you have an adulterous, uh, adulterous friend right here going, I love you, Lord. I love my wife. And I said, love this. Hello. How would you feel if you found out your wife, your husband, had another relationship? How would you feel? There's nothing more gut-wrenching than seeing or hearing about your spouse who's unfaithful. There's nothing more gut-wrenching. And this is what people's relationship with God was like. See, here's the question. Is God enough for you? Or do you need God and do you need the world? Like, Like Peter was saying, hey, I'll give you the world. Just give me Jesus. Is that how you live? He says, friendship with the world, if you want to be like them, it makes you my enemy. It makes me have animosity towards you because your heart's divided. And as Hosea says in in Hosea 4.12, he says, a spirit of prostitution leads them astray. They are unfaithful to their God. A spirit of prostitution is in their hearts. They don't acknowledge the Lord. You can be a Christian and be committing adultery on God. Because that's what God's people did, the same thing. It's when other things take our heart, take our time away from God. Imagine you telling your wife all the time, honey, I love to hang out, but I gotta play this video game. Eventually, she's gonna come to the conclusion that he loves that more than me. Oh, honey, I love you, but I gotta keep working. I gotta make the money. Look at the house you wanted. Ah, I gotta keep working. Eventually, the spouse begins to feel like, I don't think they're in love with me. Because the house doesn't matter. The cars don't matter. What matters is, do you love me? 
God doesn't care what you, how, how big your house is. How, 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 he just says, do you love me? Am I, am I enough? Do you have to have more than me? Am I not enough? There's nothing worse than feeling in your relationship that, honey, I love you, but you're just not enough for me. Even if you dump 30 pounds, gee, you're still not enough. I love you. I know the truth hurts. It's just the truth, bro. Wouldn't that be so hurtful? Yeah, but that's what we do to God. And you know what? It doesn't change his love for us. God, like Hosea, comes after us. He comes and gets us in that marketplace. Look in Hosea chapter 6. This is an amazing account of God's people in Hosea and his interaction with God's people. He says, come, verse 1, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. I mean, that's something you feel when you're getting humbled. God, what are you? But, it, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he'll revive us. And on the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. And surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that will water the earth. You know, you know this is what our heart should be like toward God. Hey, I want to, you know what? I haven't been doing good. I haven't been doing my best for God. I just, I'm just lazy. I'm not disciplined. But you know what? If I change, God will bring us back. Yeah, I'm not doing great spiritually. I'm feeling lousy. But God will restore me. That's the heart of repentance. But look at the standard. Verse 4. This is God's response to the people. What can I do with you, Ephraim? Now, when you see the word Ephraim, Ephraim was the strongest tribe of all the, of all the ten up there. So he calls the strongest one Ephraim, which is another name for Israel. He's just giving him another affectionate name. What can I do for you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you into pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my, my judgment goes forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. As at Adam, they have broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me. You see, God wants a relationship, not for a couple days, not like the morning mist. He wants a relationship that's long-term, that's meaningful. He doesn't want you to go, hey, that's a great sermon, Jill. Monday, Tuesday, I love you, Jesus, I love you. And then forget about him. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He doesn't want you to be like the morning mist. He wants a relationship. A relationship that means, hey, I'm in it to win it. I'm here every day. Look what he says in, this, in chapter 7, verse 13. This is God. I long to redeem them, but they speak about me falsely. God's heart longs to be with us. Reminds me of Luke 15, the prodigal son. Give my money. Give my inheritance. Takes off, and then he comes back and says, I'm going to go back to God. And then he's a long distance away, and God, the Bible says, the man sees his son from a very far distance, and he runs to him. Just like Hosea ran back to Homer and says, here, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to love you. I love you. It's unchanging. Because even though we leave and desert God, his love does not die. That is an awesome God. Look at this passage. Can this be us? Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. A, a spirit of prostitution is in their hearts, and they don't acknowledge 
the Lord their God. This is something that I, I always tell high school kids. If you're, oh, they're in the crowd. Thank you very much. A lot of times high school kids think, well, I'm not, I don't want to become a disciple now. I'll become a disciple later. I know this is the truth, and this is God's thoughts. I love this. But I am not ready. Be cautious, because your deeds do not permit you to return to God. When you begin to do sinful things over and over again, it hardens your hearts. Where you think you're going to come back, and you don't come back. Well, you think, I'm just going to take a little break. But you know what? You don't. It's a pit stop that ends right there. Because the spirit of prostitution is now in your hearts. And God wants a relationship. And quiet times are so important to an everyday Christian. Here are some things that can distract us from God. Where are your hearts? Is it money, 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 money? Gotta pay, gotta make, gotta make money, gotta work, gotta gotta pay bills. Or is it not now? I'm a little busy. I'm focused. Maybe we're distracted. Gee, I'm just so distracted. I'm so distracted. I'm running from here to there. And look at those kids. I'm just, I wake up, my kids need me. I have no time, I have no time for God. I'm just so distracted. I, gee, I'm so busy, man. I'm going from one appointment to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. I'm running around helping people, helping my, helping my friends. Where's your heart? Is it here? You want to stay connected, but to that Asherah? To that Baal? We're getting more excited about what's, what's happening there than our relationship with God. I got a farm on Farmville. I got a farm too. But I make sure my priorities are straight. I like the farming principles. Drop seed, share my faith. It reminds me of being a Christian, actually. And you harvest when you drop seeds. Are you always busy? I'm so busy. I'm just so busy. I got so many things to do. I'm so busy. It's adultery. All that is adultery. You're too busy for God. You're focused on social networks. You're distracted. You're not praying. You're not reading. And you think everything's cool with God. Let me be Hosea for you. God is not cool. Are you cool when your wife goes out with another man and has sex with him? Are you cool with that? If you're not cool with that, God's not cool with you. See, if you're cool with that, something's wrong with you. Right? Something's wrong with you. Your wife don't come home one night and you're not, you're not, you're not faced. Something's really wrong with you. See, if you're, God's not cool with that. But we think God's cool with it. We think God's cool with us, us not praying. Us not, we think it's cool. God's grace is awesome. God's not cool with that. God gives grace, but he's no fool. Are you the homie hermit? I just like being at home, G. I like hanging out. I like watching my shows. I just don't like to go out. I'm not a people person. I like just to hang out. I'm a homie. Get it? Me and my home. The homie hermit. Let's end with this. Who is wise? It's Hosea at the very end of the chap- chapter 14, verse 9. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. 
The ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. What can we learn from this book? We learn this, that God's love for us is unfathomable, meaning it's beyond our comprehension. Two is our relationship with God is jeopardized by our forgetfulness and ingratitude. Thirdly, when we are spiritually unfaithful, God feels the pain of a husband hurt by an adulterous wife. And lastly, God leaves the door open because there's always a chance for repentance, provided that we are willing. This is the story of Hosea, that God's love is unchanging. To God be the glory. Thank you.